In this house, 25 years ago, a child was given life. Donald, come here. He was raised in isolation. You're a bad boy. Instructed in fear. You're evil and you must be punished. Imprisoned by a tormented mind. Your father let you do things like that, but he's gone now. And baptized in flames. Now, he has come of age. His suffering has ended. And ours is about to begin. Tomorrow, you hear that, old lady? I'll punish you again! If you would be spared from the fury of his vengeance, <laughs> whatever you do, don't go in the house. Stairway by stairway, he draws you closer to madness. Oh, God! <laughs> and soon, he'll share the terrifying secret behind this door. In the room of steel. Don't make me do anything bad, mother. Don't go in the house, <laughs> because the people who live there aren't people anymore. Don't go in the house. But if you do, don't say we didn't warn you. Don't go in the house. Welcome to Speak All Evil, the podcast you were warned about. I'm Trent, you're with Kevin, Kat, and Dave. Hello. 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 Hi. Follow us on Instagram, and happy Thanksgiving, guys. Woo! Oh. Gobble, gobble, gobble. It's Thanksgiving Eve for us. Yes. And yep. here we are. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> I'm thankful. I'm very thankful to be spending, this is the kickoff of the, of the holidays. This mm -hmm. is the official start of the holiday season tonight, and we're all four here. Mm -hmm. To talk about two hidden gems. Well, it's episode 195. Oh, wow. Coming up on wow. 200, wow. coming up on four years. Wow. And, you know, this might be a, a night that people have stuff going on. Used and to be. We all made it. <laughs> we all made it here to do this instead. Mm -hmm. Yes. Nowhere else I'd rather be. I, I guess I thought this might be a time. It might be nice. thankfulness I'm in the thankful. air. People I'm might thankful. be. I'm thankful. Two hundred episodes is a lot. We're, yeah, that's a lot. It's a and lot. Yeah, too much. You, I see it's, you guys more we're than up over a lot of people. Four hundred movies. <laughs> it's too many. I'm glad I got to a point in my life where watching horror movies was like a mandatory thing. <laughs> oh yeah, that's goals. <laughs> yeah, going backwards. Got to watch the the Beast Within tonight. Sorry, babe. <laughs> You gotta put suits down. We can watch that later. Working, babe. I'm working tonight. That's the thing that sucks about having a podcast is when you someone asks you to do something serious and you you have to watch a, like a really goofy movie. Sorry, I have to watch The Beast Within right now. <laughs> Crunch time. No, I can't go to your teacher conference. <laughs> Daddy's watching his movies. First show. Speaking of watching, anyone see Thanksgiving yet? I saw it. Did I not tell you I saw it? Oh, you did. You, guys you both did. saw it. <laughs> individually, I, didn't talk I know about exactly it? who's seen it. You're in character. I'm <laughs> <laughs> in character. <laughs> so. Kevin and I have seen the new Thanksgiving movie, the Eli Roth film. I can just real quick, I'll give you my one word review. Fine. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, you nailed it with that. Fine. Hmm. So I have, I have a lot more to say. <laughs> <laughs> uh, tell tell me more. For the what, what did you no, think? No, I just, 
I didn't look at anything on it, and it shocked me when I got home and I felt the way that I did about it. And then I then I started looking at like reviews and everything, and and some of these reviews are like, "This is the best slasher since yeah. Scream." Pretty well received, and, like amazingly well received. Yeah, I, I didn't think it was that. It certainly isn't the fucking best slasher since Scream. No. And I thought like the editing was horrible. Hmm. I thought sequentially, hmm. there's a there's a Thanksgiving parade scene. Yeah. And I was so pumped. And then there's just a really weird scene transition that takes all that, like yeah. all deflates the entire. That happens like two or three different times. There's like mm. false starts of like really good sequences, and then it like just a really bizarre next chunk of. I don't know. I, it's fine. It's fine. Mm. It's not bad. It's good. I enjoyed it, but I've. I mean, I've forgotten most of it already, and uh, not that I've forgotten it, but I haven't thought about it since I walked out. If I made the theater. A Thanksgiving movie, I would only have the soundtrack be football. <laughs> we did that. Oh. We did that on our Thanksgiving right. episode, I think the first year. No. <laughs> there, was, there was a football yeah. show under a football game under the entire episode. That's cute. Right. Those were the days. Um, I know. I <laughs> think the pandemic <laughs> days. Yeah. Four Couldn't movies a week. Oh, man. That ended. Uh, speaking of Scream, the Roll, new, the yeah, new yeah. Scream. What are we going to do? Not looking good. Melissa oh. Barrera fired, fired from Scream 7 for her uh, Instagram posts about the Israeli-Palestine conflict. Mm. Jenna Ortega's out. I guess she's been out. I guess that's old news. Uh, she was out before the strike. She's got Wednesday, the TV show happening, scheduling conflicts. And apparently there's no script still. Yeah, so. and Radio Silence has another project, I think. Well, they weren't going to... Yeah, they were going to pass it off to, to, to direct to um, uh, Christopher Landon. Was the right. was yeah, set yeah. to direct? So who knows now? Well, I'll be okay, <laughs> Dave. No, <laughs> it's a kind of a shrug to me. It's uh, you I'm know, a, I'm upset. You hate to I, see it. Yeah, I, 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 you know, I was excited, but yeah, I mean, if it ends the way that the last one ended, I mean, that's whatever. That's fine. Well, it w I mean, this would have been the the finisher of the trilogy. I mean, five, six, and seven are worth starting the the story over, and and Barrera's character Sam central to that, and her sister played by Jenna Ortega. So you kind of have to. That means that's pretty much it for that storyline. Mm -hmm. I'm fine. That's fine. <laughs> yes, we know, Dave. <laughs> I know you're fine. I I, I could give a shit, Dave. I'm trying to, you know. Yeah. I don't. Yeah. This is upsetting to some people. Yeah. Well, sorry. It's a listen. It's Thanksgiving. Okay. Kevin, are you? I mean, you're you're holding back a little bit. You're upset about this. Just I'm gonna... not happy with any of it. Yeah, I don't like all of this stuff going on in Hollywood right now, based around yeah the Israeli-Palestinian conflict. I don't love that. It's definitely not something. It's not good. Yeah, and uh, yeah, and Jenna Ortega. I mean, you know, that aside, that is obviously much more important than who's starring in what movies, but like the business aspects and people that are, it's not just Melissa Barrera and the Scream movie. This is happening to a lot of people that are voicing their opinions uh, in that industry. Uh, but Scream specifically, yeah, I mean, just as a fan, I'm a huge fan of the franchise. I wanted to see this kind of wrapped up and yeah. just kind of, and, you know, I am always just morbidly curious, kind of seventh movie in a franchise, a third of the the restart of the new trilogy, uh, a new trilogy, 
does it just keep raking in the audience? Like I, I was really and they curious. Were, right, and, they were and, big. and I, I never loved. I think I'm on record for both five and six. I, I wasn't the biggest Melissa Barrera fan. I didn't yeah. love that character. I think Ortega's a big loss. I loved that character. Um, and you know, this means that we can't see the core four. Well, you know, I think that they almost realized this in the last one, but when they don't need any actors, just put the mask on everybody. It's true. And it's they, true. You know, AI like they, can write, just... you know what? Scream 7, AI. There you go. <laughs> Acted exactly. by robots. Just put it in a blender, shake it up. Someone's the killer. There you go. I'll watch it. This week, <laughs> it's Trent's Hidden Gem Week. <laughs> Buried Treasure. <laughs> I have been down into the deep recesses of uh, late 70s, early 80s horror, and I, I'm pretty sure nobody had seen either of these movies before. Is that correct? Yes, very Correct. hard to find. Yeah, these um, are a little a little bit rare right now, but you had, uh, Dave, you hipped me to our first film, The Beast Within, just hit Tubi recently. And you can also, you can rent it on Prime. I would be aware the, the Prime version is really bad box aspect ratio, really dark. Just watch this one on Tubi, I would say. 1982's The Beast Within. Driving near a small Mississippi town in 1964, newlyweds Eli and Caroline experience car trouble. When Eli goes off to look for help, Caroline is attacked and made pregnant by a horrible creature. Years later, the child, now teenager Michael, finds himself undergoing an inexplicable physical change that compels him to return to that area in Mississippi. Soon, dead bodies start piling up while his desperate parents struggle to understand what's happening. This is a, a new favorite for me. I remember it now. I'm, I might have seen this when I was a kid because this to me is an iconic cover, VHS cover slash poster. That picture of the, of the guy that looks like he's in pain and that font that they have the beast within written. I remember it very well. I think I might have seen it. I definitely uh, saw it at the video store all the time. This is the first and as far as I know, the only Where Cicada movie ever made. <laughs> Would you say it's the best? It's yeah. definitely the greatest <laughs> wear cicada movie of all time. It's not really a wear cicada, though. Uh, it's not a wear cicada. The guy turns into a cicada. Right, but you, it, is that he what doesn't, he is? you don't bite someone and they turn into a no, cicada. No, you rape their mother. <laughs> <laughs> spoilers. <laughs> no spoilers this week, guys. No spoilers this week. <laughs> Does it matter? Um, you know, the, the cicada has a, a long history in folklore and literature and music. So I'm surprised. Biblical. Yeah. I, yeah. I'm surprised there haven't been more cicada horror movies, um, but I'm, I'm glad we got this one. Uh, you have Ronnie Cox starring in this one. We saw Ronnie in uh, Deliverance was the musician of the crew. He's still a musician, by the way. Get into his uh, his history. I feel like he made the least of his Deliverance fame. This is 1982. Burt Reynolds is a star. John Voight is a star. Ned Beatty is a star. Ronnie Cox is in The Beast Within. <laughs> Not as much as I love this movie. feel like he could have maybe done more in the uh, intervening years. Uh, I love this heavy Southern Gothic atmosphere. To me, this movie right away is just it's drenched in vibe. It feels very spooky, very scary. It takes place in Mississippi. It was shot in Mississippi. Everything about it just feels creepy to begin with story is fun ridiculous i'd be surprised if everyone even understands it it takes 
it takes some piecing together what actually happens in this movie. But I think the performances are very good. The young lead actor uh, was his first real shot at a, a film acting role. And I think he's very compelling. He does a great job being this kid that uh, sort of is becoming possessed by not only the cicada, but the spirit of another <laughs> at the same time. Oh, it's not just the cicada. You're talking everyone uh, out of it, Trent. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but of course, the piece de resistance mm. of the beast within is that big transformation scene. Mm. This is the heyday of early 80s effects, practical effects and creature transformations, the thing, the howling, all of those movies. And, and this is, I think, a classic practical effects monster transformation. Um, the full Cicada Man is amazing. This movie has corpse snapping. It has cannibalism. It has interspecies spawn. It has skin shedding. It has manual beheading. Uh, guy is embalmed alive. It just has everything. And, it's mm -hmm. a, and I love the ending of this movie. Very good ending. <laughs> Both movies, I think, this week stick to landing. This is a very dark one. One of my new favorites. Kat, I know you must have loved this. Mm -hmm. Yep, I did. <laughs> nope. Well, I wouldn't say this is a f this is fun. No. I, I think it has its moments. <laughs> it starts with that weird monster, like right off the bat, just like monster yeah. rape scene, just right away. Dead yeah. dog. That gets it right away. Right away. I feel like with that opening scene, they could have just maybe just implied what was going on as opposed to seeing this poor unconscious woman being graphically tussled around. Yeah. It was a little, it was a bit much right off the bat. I, I think agree. right right away I was like, I don't know if this is going to be a fun watch. I agree. That's <laughs> um, true. You know, then it gets into those like weird family dynamics, um, the, some of which included a very, very supportive father. Great that guy, he's like, yeah. I support He's my son, no matter what. Daddy of the week. And I was like, this is my, yeah, you know what? This is my my father of the week. Uh, <laughs> so that was like a heartwarming moment. Um, as far as the acting goes, absolutely, Trent. I thought everyone in this movie was great. I was pretty baked. This is one of the ones I was pretty baked when I you watched this be. movie. And I, I was, was yeah. into, I was like enthralled by a, a banjo man. I was just yeah. really like, man, oh, really? this guy is great. Yeah, I thought yeah, he was great. And so is. that's when I Googled. I'm like, what else has he been in? And I was like, there we go. And then by Googling the movie, I was able to figure out what the fuck was going on throughout the whole thing. <laughs> Life because hack. I couldn't tell the difference between <laughs> the 40 that? white men that were somehow related to each other yeah, on the screen. Fair. I could yeah. not keep them straight. The names, They're all named like Lionel and Dwayne, or I don't know. Donnie. 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 Mike. I don't know. <laughs> Donnie, Ronnie, Johnny. <laughs> Who's their mom? Bonnie. Horace Platt. <laughs> it, was, it was just, yeah. It took some, um, some sleuthing to figure out what was going on. As far as uh, like the rest of the movie goes, I wouldn't say I wasn't waiting for it to end, I guess. I... The that means you were, wait you were waiting for it to end, mostly. That yes, what that that's okay. what it means. It means I wanted it to be over. Um, <laughs> what, sorry, about, what about the, the big money? The transformation scene? So a couple weeks ago, I was talking about how I wanted more transformation scenes. And oh. The classic Wolfman, remember that? Yeah. Somehow, this one went on for way too long. Oh. It was like the same... The same bubbling face shots, like that, but from different angles for like... Yeah. A while. What felt like a half an hour. It was probably like five minutes. <laughs> that, wasn't, that wasn't five minutes. It was minutes. an eternity to high cat, okay? <laughs> Baked cat, just couldn't. Anyway, 
I remember hearing the bug noises. Now that, yes, we're talking about the bugs and like, yes. I didn't pick up on that it was a cicada. It didn't look like a cicada monster to me. I've never seen one before, so I've never seen a cicada monster. Well, in my nightmares, I don't know. Seems like. I didn't, anyway, the payoff was good because the monster looked awful like but awful in a good way in that i was very upset that i was now picturing that thing raping the woman in the first scene and it made it like Mm. even more horrifying and then wouldn't you know it it went and did it again so we got to go we got to go through that twice but you know that gives us the supernatural vibes of the spirit of the cicada man living on through semen passed down among generations. You got it. All, you go. s- all spawned from a guy eating di- corpses. Billy Connors. Yep. Billy. <laughs> Billy it's every Connors. 17 years. That's every, why we get two of them. Every 17 years. The, yes. That's the when the cicadas. The cycle of the <gasps> cicada. Yeah. Whoa. And so Michael is now 17 years old. Oh. And, yeah. Puberty's cool. a bitch. <laughs> is that the tagline <laughs> of the film? <laughs> I should hate this movie. It's so fucking all over the place. <laughs> it is. When you were saying it's got everything, it like, does. well, you know, I could tear this movie apart, but I can't take away from the fact that I had a fucking blast watching it. And same thing, Kat. It was like, okay, I need to start reading while I'm <laughs> yes. fucking watching this because I'm pretty sure that like somebody's possessed now. <laughs> Like, I was settling in for a nice early 80s monster creature feature. Yeah. Okay, we got to, you know, we got to, okay, another rape movie. Let's kick it <laughs> off with a cold open rape. And that's not enough. Let's bookend this motherfucker <laughs> with rape. Like, are you kidding me? Yeah. But, I mean, I was like, all right, Swamp Monster, I'm into that. Let's check that out. Okay. And then Swamp Monster, baby, all right, everything's <laughs> adding up here. And then it was like, why the fuck are we suddenly doing, like, possessions? And then, wait a minute, now there's adultery that leads to basement trapping and corpsey. I was like, oh, <laughs> my God. Somebody yeah. went on a fucking bender. <laughs> and, like, really fucking went at this. Tom Holland. Tom Holland wrote this. Based on a book that wasn't even done, it wasn't because even the finished. guy writing it had like yes. marital problems, and he went on a fucking bender. <laughs> oh no! Couldn't finish the book, so Just then like Game of I'm guessing this was like a producer's nightmare of let's yes. everybody let's come in and like I actually started trying to figure out what movies corrupted what could have been a pretty fun watch from start to finish without so many headaches. You know, around this time, like, did they feel like they had to throw the possession thing in because of the exorcist? Like, did they feel like what made them think that they couldn't just make essentially the howling with the cicada monster? Right. Right. Yeah. But yeah, it is fucking super fun. The kid, Michael, he is good. He's he's appropriately bad at acting, uh, but no worse than like most people. I think this. better than a lot of this ilk. Yep, and and it's funny because you know Holland would do what Fright Night, yes, and this had this. I know that Felipe Mora was, directed this, but yeah, Hall, it has Holland vibes. Holland wrote the script, yeah, yeah, and the effects are fantastic. I thought the transformation scene was a big, big payoff. I was not expecting that. It comes late in the movie. It's late, yeah. I had totally given up on seeing a cool <laughs> monster. I thought we just saw his feet shuffling and then humping some boobs. <laughs> thought that's it. And then by then I was so confused about the possession and now we have spirits and then all of a sudden there's undertakers and corpses and rocks and graves and then you get that whole transformation scene. 
I loved it. I thought it was great. Yeah. It definitely wasn't masturbatory. Look at all the tricks we've learned in the last like four to five years. Like air bladders, 78 baby. to like 82 this is all air bladders. How many exploding. air bladders can let's you put on fill, him? Let's put condoms underneath this piece of makeup and pump some <laughs> cottage cheese into it. Like I, I loved it. I thought it was great. Tons wrong with this movie. I can totally see why it's gotten buried by a lot more like paint-by-number slashers of this yeah. era, but I had a yeah. fucking blast watching it, despite constantly <laughs> pausing it and looking at Wikipedia <laughs> and shaking my head at scenes. At the end of it, I was like, all right, that was a good time. Yeah, I like this. Uh, I was really psyched that you picked such a apt holiday movie for the Thanksgiving week. Uh, this is perfect. You have the cicada inside the boy. It's inside the mother. It's like a turducken. Yes. <laughs> so this movie oh, gobble, gobble. <laughs> Bye. Um instead of cricket so he's cicadas. I I thought this is like very Cronenberg, very uh like seventies, early eighties Cronenberg. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah, I saw a horror documentary about eighties uh horror movies a while ago. And they mention this movie, they talk about it, and they said a couple things. They talk about a great transformation scene. And I look up uh, The Beast Within, and I find that it's completely unavailable. And you have to like order a VHS or get a DVD or Blu-ray or something of this to even see it. Uh, and you have to buy it and all this stuff. And I, I just went into a panic. I didn't want to buy it. $1,000. No, I didn't want to buy it. I don't usually do that because it'll usually pass by the time it shows up in the mail and I'll be on to something yeah, else. Yeah. Or it'll just pop up like this one did. Right. Yeah. I was panicking and then this just popped up and it, it kind of worn off. I wasn't as excited to see it, but it definitely was uh, you know, built up quite a bit. But the gore in this is spectacular especially for this era you never know where you're going to get i thought the acting was great i thought the story was so convoluted like you were saying kevin <laughs> it was all over the place but i kind of like that and i kind of like seeing it's like when you go to the dollar store and there's like a mint a coconut reese's peanut butter cup and you're like well i know why that's a dollar you know what I, mean? I know why that's a dollar no one wants that and it, this is kind of like that, and this is like one of those rare movies that you know has its problems, but you love it because it exists, and it's this rare gem. Until the end of this, I didn't find the main character likable. And then when he started going through all the, like the real shit, I started liking him. <laughs> but that's to me what... His, his teeth get dirty, then you start it. Right, yeah, on. his teeth get dirty, <laughs> and his eyes get all like red and sunken in. But that's that's the point where uh, I I was like, well, this is not quite American Werewolf in London because like I'm not connected to this character as much. But you know, I liked the the redneck dad character. He reminded me of Henry, the serial killer. Yeah, <laughs> this movie had, uh, my, had kind of uh, had yeah. That that guy was great. That was uh, Don Jenis Johnston. Been in tons of stuff. It played uh, Horace Platts, the father of Amanda. I thought he really elevated it. When he's on the scene, it's almost like all of a sudden there's a another real actor, and he's like, "Wow, this guy really inhabits this role." It you feel it feels real when he's got he shows that. up shows up in a Budweiser hat, and you know he's legit. <laughs> I feel like at some point he must have gone up against Clint Eastwood or something. That, yeah, you know, yeah, you know, yeah, exactly. a lot of like you know yeah. a lot of these people, including that actor, are from westerns. Like yeah, when I was the cast up, and like action later, yeah. I think it creates a mood. It creates a vibe. You get into that vibe. And, and another thing that really contributed to the mood is the score. 
I love the score of this movie. Very good. It gives it a very, it has a classic creature feature. It has a classic monster movie vibe, almost like the Universal stuff with that score all the time. Really, really good. Yeah, Les Baxter did the music. He's a pretty huge like legend. I never knew the controversy surrounding him. Uh, where what is it? Allegedly, he like couldn't actually write music and like took credit for a whole bunch of shit that he didn't actually do. Really? I mean, you can look it up. But who did, who did it? Uh, look it up. Huh? Okay, did not know that. Uh, but I, I too looked that up because I, I thought the score was great. One thing that you nailed, Trent, is like, and again, this is I loved it, and I also think it's where the movie did not take advantage of it enough. This small town vibe despite everybody being related to everybody and not knowing who anybody was, they nailed that. When the son first gets sick and the parents go back to the town where the rape occurred to figure out who assaulted her all those years ago to see why their son's sick, that whole thing is set up perfectly. Like You just know that somebody's related to somebody and they're covering yeah. something up. And yeah. Everything about that was really well the, done. The mayor, had, is also, the mayor is also the judge. And yeah, the, and the, like the Undertaker's the, the cousin. Somebody's of the guy. A, yeah, so yeah, yeah, exactly. They they really nailed that, but they again like totally they didn't take full advantage of it because you have to throw in all of this like needless like subplot after subplot. I mean, they found the basement of subplots and just fucking kept digging. Mm. One thing that helped, I thought, with that is at least you get the night-by-night night title cards. I really liked how it mm. first night, second night, third night, they, maybe somebody felt like they had to do that. I would say just watch it and be kind of confused. You get the idea. And then I and then I delved into it, and then I started, and then I watched it again. Now I understand the whole story. I'm still wondering. I don't understand why Billy Collins, as the original Cicada Man, why he went back to the basement to die. Because it's all he knew. Right, that was all he knew. I he guess was, they, they he do was say kept that. in the basement for what I don't understand. A lot of bugs like basements. That's true. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> what I don't understand is why was he a cicada man? That's not. That's <laughs> well, not that's, explained. That's, yeah, no. How does, and then there's know. one sentence where it says, "Well, he must have turned to magic while he was," and that's how they explain the possession in the so, basement. Yes, yeah, they don't. Did he explain. find some literature somehow about magic? We don't know. Again, no. I, I feel like this is just like p too many cooks in the kitchen. Um, but there are some fantastic ties to other movies that we've talked about. Yeah. B.B. Besh plays uh, the mom in this. Her daughter is Samantha Mathis, who we talked about in American Psycho. And I'm sure I brought it up in the American, uh, uh, American Psycho episode. My first crush ever was Samantha Mathis in Pump Up the Volume with Christian Slater. Oh, wow. And then the the makeup, the effects, Thomas Berman. We've talked about him. Yes. I mean, he's got a Legend. hell of a reg resume. And I this mean, was early for him. He had only he had done makeup mostly yeah. until this Invasion movie. Invasion of the Body Snatchers. I mean, he's got quite uh, the filmography under his belt. There's all kinds of ties. Again, I mean, we talk about it all the time. We dig out these early 80s movies every like some half of them go on to be like legends even if it's not in the horror world and then this is the only thing so like michael the actor that played michael i couldn't find shit that dropped that off he, done. he did do some there's a uh there's a, a little mini doc making of this movie on youtube that's all interviews with most of the cast or some of the cast and um he's interviewed along with tom holland which it's really good but the actor he went on to do some special effects in another movie that i can't remember now um, but he he said he was mostly uh, in, into that aspect of the movie. And he had asked when he took the role, he had asked if he could play the beast full time and not have a stunt guy. That's really the kid in the suit 
being the beast and he mm-hmm. had to do the uh there it's very funny to listen to that it's, it's a really good i don't want to go to the, it's it's a really good little doc on youtube they talked to tom holland he talks about how how his screenplay was much more clear but they were under budgetary constraints production constraints and they had to just sort of collapse a lot of the stuff and that's one of the reasons that it's so confusing i think you could have taken out a whole bunch of those things and like did yeah. less explaining because it kind of it sounds yeah. like someone that's lying well, it's a They're lot just of- like, yeah, and then there was another thing, and, and then they, and it just kind of goes everywhere. But they could have just not explained it, and it would have been true. just as fine. That's true. Yes. It kind of had incredible Melting Man vibes. I just yeah. thought it was going to be a monster flick, like yeah. something yeah. crawled out of the swamp, creature from the Black Lagoon. Something just crawled yeah. out of the swamp. I think if you look at all the movies that everybody was involved in, like when I said that, like cooks in the kitchen talking about like producers. Um, you had the guy that worked on like the Omen, the Goonies, the Lost Boys, like as a producer on this. So maybe that's where some of these, like the Omen, like maybe some of the supernatural elements and things came in. The other stuff that like uh, the effects guy that Berman did, I mean, just insane shit. Like he would go on to do like Scrooge, Howard the Duck, Teen Wolf, which I actually. It's funny because I thought Michael looked like Teen Wolf he a little did, bit with yeah. the jacket he's wearing for most of the movie. Yes, right. He's got that letter uh, Letterman jacket on. Yeah. Yeah, there's just so so many. I don't know. It's this movie's fascinating. Not just fascinating to watch, but to dig into like exactly how it came to be. A lot of connections. Yeah, and a lot of connections. Guys- I'd love to see a remake. I know that Holland's talked I'd, about it. I'd love to see a remake. <laughs> too, but of how do this. you? It's just so absurd. I, it's hard for me to imagine doing a contemporary version. Boil down all the subplots. <laughs> just get rid of. Just like have half it just be a them, cicada man. Do a little bit more explanation <laughs> of you know maybe cicada man or possession <laughs> like know. either or maybe like. I think that's a tall order in this day. I think some of this stuff is just, it's so hokey that I feel like the rudimentary production and the hokiness of the ideas go together. And then I think that's one thing that happens when you remake this stuff, when you're doing it in a modern context with all that's at your disposal and all that we've seen since this movie, I, don't know, it's, I think it's hard to do this stuff now. Yeah. I think the early eighties stuff that deal with, uh, you're the perspective or you get to know the main character is the the killer, which both movies this week are that. True, yes. Um, yes. I think those are like the most unsettling early yes. 80s movies. Yeah. You know, like Maniac or, or yeah, any of the movies exactly. where someone transforms into something, The Fly. Yeah. Um, those are like mm-hmm. some this of my the favorite. Fly. Yeah. Do you guys see the Tab Cola product placement? You no, know what just, Tab is, Just Kat? the Budweiser hat. It's a cola. <laughs> <laughs> do you remember tab though i've seen it yeah. in films is, is it still okay i don't, I don't know. know i've it's never i don't know if they still make it i've yeah. never tried i've never personally uh, it was a diet it. it was a diet cola but it just was called tab mm-hmm. it, there wasn't like a tab diet it just was diet yeah did they invent diet cola tab did they i don't did know they might have been the first diet cola and then everyone else jumped on and then Wow, that's that's a question for another podcast out there. Cola cola (laughs) podcasters, hit us up. 80s pop podcasters, we want to know the history of Diet Cola and what Tab's place is. Okay, my next pick for Buried Treasure Week, 1979's Don't Go in the House. 
Donald Kohler is a young man who as a child was severely burned by his sadistic and overbearing mother as a cruel means of discipline and punishment. After years of social estrangement pass, Donald comes home to his mother after an accident at the local incinerator, only to find that she has died in her sleep. Now released from her possession, Donald's mind teeters around dangerous activities in order to ease his repression, particularly searching for women in random mundane locations, bringing them home, hanging them right side up in a personally installed steel-plated room, and burning them alive. <laughs> Who hasn't? <laughs> After a long day. I love this movie. I'm so happy to have been introduced to this film. I had never heard of this. I don't even remember how this uh, got on my radar. I love the opening right away that opens with the the stovetop being lit, the manual lighting of the stovetop, and you see turbine films, and then the title card comes up. Both movies this week, I like the austere all-business title cards. It looks like something pretty ominous is coming. Um, this is called a slasher. It's not really a slasher. I would call this a a pseudo slasher and we were just talking about this is this is the kind of slasher that is really more of a uh, a character study it's a very stark and very grim character study of this one guy and the killer is the main character so it's not like you know there isn't a hero character a traditional protagonist that's battling the killer it's about the killer it's from his perspective we've talked about maniac henry recently even the house that jack built or that movie Angst that we talked about, th that kind of slasher movie. So I'd call this a forerunner uh, of that genre. This is another very thick with atmosphere film to me. You have that big old creepy house on the hill, which is now a, uh, a museum. We can talk about the history of that house. is pretty interesting. All peeling paper. It's all run down. But I, I would say this, you know, where Beast Within was was that Southern Gothic vibe, this to me is much more of the grimy New York. It, it was filmed in New Jersey. I don't know where it takes place in the story, but this kind of has that late seventies, early eighties, more urban grime to me and more like grindhouse feel that I really like. It's very bleak and drab. It's very, these are like blue collar characters. I think it really takes you into that world. And this completely broken man who is just walking the rooms of his big old house with his dead mother and the corpses of all his victims. Another great ending. Love the ending of this. Both movies, again, I think stick to landing. Tour de force performance by Dan Grimaldi plays Donnie. We know Dan as uh, Philly and Patsy Parisi of The Sopranos. Done a bunch of other stuff too. Currently a, uh, a math teacher. He's really amazing. This was his full, his first uh, film role. He was a theater guy and he got offered this movie on the strength of his of his theater work and he really took the role seriously, did a lot of research. I think it, you can tell. It really comes through. The Grimaldi performance in this makes the movie really, really good and I do want to clear up for everyone. This is one where there's a few different cuts out there. I tried to steer people <laughs> this week to the, to the right one. The weird thing is that with this movie, the longer extended cut is the censored one because the theatrical version the original theatrical version is only 83 minutes 82 minutes and change and it was censored a little bit but then it was uh, recut for television so they censored the the gory parts out and they added back 
scenes that weren't even in the theatrical version. So there's a longer version of this on uh, Tubi. Uh, you can VOD it even on U- on YouTube. That's an hour and a half. That one has more scenes, and it's actually it's pretty good. But it, I think for this movie, you need those payoff scenes. You're, you're going to watch Don't Go in the House. You need to see people being flamethrown to death. <laughs> That's really important that you see that. So if you just go on YouTube, there's a free version, and I have the the channel. It's Forty uh, Second Street Cult is the channel or the uploader. Go on YouTube, Forty Second Street Cult. That is the version of Don't Go in the House that you want to see. Dave, I feel like I've introduced you completely to this one, right? Yes, although I introduced you to the playlist of movies. That's true, but that's not where I found this. That was right. coincidence that it was on there. Which also, that, that same playlist is what came up in conversation with Bill Mosley. I'm going to talk about him all the time now. Um, <laughs> your, your friend. Bill. Right. Your friend Bill. But, I, yeah. but he was talking about that playlist on YouTube of movies. The Cemetery Man the first Man movie on that's there. on there is Cemetery Man, and he had just watched that the night before, which we, you and I had watched this week. Uh, now I've seen it. Great one. But yeah, it was great to uh, have that immediate thing uh, to talk about that's the great thing about uh, horror if you're at like a party or something yes. you'll you'll find like a horror person like drag you over to the corner and be, hey man I heard you have a horror podcast <laughs> yo what do you know about don't go in the house <laughs> uh, you start with have you seen martyrs oh yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. human centipede yeah, yeah. yeah. Serbian film? Uh, <laughs> and they're like, get out of my house. <laughs> yeah, I absolutely my love house. this movie. When I was growing up, like one of my favorite uh, horror movies was Maniac, which uh, I, to me was up there with uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Still because, is, I think. Yeah, yeah I loved it. Um, just because of like the psychological uh, dissolve of the guy's brain and it, you know, had the psycho thing with like the mom that's kind of like speaking through his conscious and he has like all these like voices in his head. I like that aspect of it and it didn't seem derivative of Psycho, although it was kind of the same scenario. I love the fire thing the whole time. It's a great weapon. It's like the exterminator in the 80s had yeah. flame throwing parts yeah. and um like nightmares in a deranged mind or whatever. Nightmares in a damaged brain. Damaged yeah. brain, right. Yeah. It reminded me of that. It's just like, and it's so New Jersey. It's super New Jersey. I thought this guy was Dustin Hoffman. He is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's yeah. nice price, Dustin Hoffman. For yeah. Sure. Yeah. And he completely slayed it. I don't think it's ever this utilized the charred corpse. Yes. Uh, like you see the, all these charred corpses and eventually uh, in you know dream state or whatever, or hallucination, you don't really know, they come to life. And the, the way their faces are just distorted and blackened is like something you don't see in a lot of horror movies. And uh, maybe you see it once, but it's not the thing you see over and over again. Like that's, you not only you get that their death, but then you also get them hanging around as a corpse the whole movie <laughs> and almost playing a character. Yeah. So I really yeah. like that. I really love the disco scene. I liked that moment where he kind of like became, it was like he, uh, had a coming out party because yeah. he let everyone know he's like the psycho guy melted a girl's face. I thought that part was amazing. I was for certain. I was like, this is going to be a dream sequence. He's going to come to and just be at the table being like, I don't want to dance, but it wasn't. And then shit like hit the fan after that. I love that. That part of the movie where it just picked up from there in the parking garage and on uh, once everyone knew what was going on was 
was crazy. You know, you had the the priest and right. everything. Bobby, um, yeah. everybody running to the house. But one of my, I would say, in a a time of horror movies and genres that are my favorite, this is one of my favorites. So I am going to disappoint you. You guys are having a hell of a time over there. Whoa! I'm sorry. I'm the kid that you're going to ask to leave the sleepover. Oh, you didn't like this? I fucking hated this movie. (laughs) Which one did you watch? Which one did you watch? I watched both. Oh, you so you saw? I watched the Tubi one, and then you guys were like, "No, no, 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 no! You got to watch this." All right. Yeah, not going to save it for me because of everything that you guys just said. All you were doing is referencing movies that are far superior to this in my mind. Hmm. All the way from Psycho to Maniac to Henry, even the house that Jack built, I think is it's a much more masturbatory, you know, two and a half hour, like better done version of this. I just found this to be even the shorter cut with the more violence. Yeah. Still boring as fuck to me. <laughs> Whoa. Some of those scenes. Some of those scenes where he's like talking to the charred corpses and stuff, I was like dying for those to be over. The disco scene, I was like, can this end? <laughs> Nothing really moved the plot along for me. It's actually, don't get me wrong, I was sold. I was like, damn, we got the twins from The Sopranos. This is great. And then right off the bat, I'm like, what's he building? Wow, that's ominous. And then boom, boom flamethrower scene really good build up very maniac ass goes and meets a woman at a flower shop takes her home holy shit and then it was just like he just goes and does that a couple more times real fast right not a whole lot of like violent even in the more violent cut they're pretty like off it's it's not a yeah it's not a gory movie and then it's boring as hell I get that the, he has moments in this of good acting, but then there's some really bad ones. There are times that he does wake up from a dream, and like his his face looks like like an '80s like serial commercial, like some kid waking up and being like surprised, like cool. Well, he's a very and, childlike. He's kind of a, a stunted, you know. He, no, you can keep apologizing. You I, love I'm it. I'm, I'm not <laughs> looking to take that away from you guys. I like I, the pre scene. I thought was super cheesy. Part of it, I did read that like all the original audio was garbage. I mean, this I appreciate the it was fact all that this re-recorded. was like guerrilla filmmaking. These guys again, yeah. most of yeah. the people in this never went on to do anything else, and they yeah. definitely Just made this mic. movie. Just cut his mic. <laughs> but. <laughs> I heard that the you know the audio because I did look this one up too because I was like man this is some bad ADR the original audio was garbage they had to redo all the audio after so I mean I can forgive some of that stuff but like I don't know when you do like an eight minute like dramatic scene with a priest out of nowhere um, I don't know this one it did not I knew that you guys were gonna love this one <laughs> but I couldn't. Most of the time I can get out of my head the like the better versions of movies that we're watching. I couldn't in this one. It was like it was aping on stuff way too much uh for me. And again, but I, it was filmed it was filmed in like 78, 79. So a lot of the things you're a lot of the movies you're referencing I'll just say are later than that. Or like they're around the same so time. So the only one I mean, you've Psycho mentioned that's isn't. the only like, one Maniac you mentioned that's before like, that is uh, American is is uh, Psycho. Yeah, but Maniac was like right up against around the it. same it time be like but way better though. So I it, mean Better Maniac was eighty two. Maniac sure, is sure. like up there with Texas Chainsaw, which I would agree. Maniac is an incredibly yeah. affecting film. This one didn't. It took me out of it too much, and it was boring uh, to me. Um, I feel like I, I, I what Kevin just said. Mute her mic. It's just what Kevin <laughs> just said. Mute her mic. <laughs> 
This has been a really weird I heard, week, I man. I hear the cicadas. What are you? <laughs> What's that noise? You didn't like this one either. I, what is this movie? Like, what? I. It's a, a weird man who is just burning he's women. He's horribly abused. I, Did you miss the whole yeah, scene? When it's- yeah, I, I got it. But, you know, people are abused all the time. Yes. And they don't go on to be... <laughs> Nor, a, it's not an a, excuse. A poor man's Norman Bates or whatever the fuck. <laughs> working man's Norman Bates. Yeah, I don't know. Speaking of working, if you were abused by fire as a young child, why would you choose <laughs> to work at an incinerator? He's drawn to the mm-hmm. flame. Yeah, he's drawn to something. I don't really know what else to say about this one. You know, the acting I thought was not good. The only thing worse, as Kevin mentioned, was the 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 ADR. Is that what they call it? A- yeah, AVD. A- I didn't. Yeah, I didn't notice it was that bad. But I thought it was bad. And here's where I most saw or heard that it was bad was when he goes shopping for the disco suit. The most awkward and uncomfortable. Love that scene. scene. Great scene. He's like, "Oh, that's a nice shirt. You know what? Let me put you in a three piece suit." And it's just like the weirdest. And he's like, "Okay, yeah, that scene could have been." One minute long. Yeah. For some reason, they pulled it a good like three it, and a half. Great. That's an important form. scene. Why is that important? Because he, he's this is his moment where he's going to try to be a normal person. He's he's listened to the advice of the priest. He's trying to block out okay. th- these thoughts that he has. He's trying to get over his past abuse, and, and now he's going to get all suited up and he's going to go to the disco with Bobby and meet some Bobby. girls and try to be a normal guy. Yes. You know, maybe Maniac did it better, but. This definitely predates Maniac and the whole going out on the town thing that he did. That's what I'm saying. With the fashion models and all that stuff. It's mm-hmm. the same thing as this. I also am concerned about the lack of fire safety knowledge mm. that a lot of people in this movie had. Um, um, I mean, it's the 80s. I don't know. I feel like stop, drop, and roll was around for a really long time. And for some reason, at the beginning, a <laughs> just man's just running around. around, flailing. <laughs> just helping that the fire. The woman gets her head caught on fire and she's just like, oh, no. Like running around, I'm like oxygen's Folks, getting to there. Stop, drop, and roll. Stop, drop, and roll, Thank you, man. Kat. You're Thank welcome. You. All right, let's get to the parts that I thought were cool. Crispy women just sitting around. <laughs> Love that. <laughs> Crispy. I thought you know, phantom mother whispering into his ear was was like a fun take, kind of yeah. showing you obviously he's not mentally well. No. Just talking talking to the Krispies. <laughs> I did like the ending because I was not expecting certain things to move mm, when they yeah. did. Right. No, the ending was good. So I, I liked that. But I was confused. The voice is now in a different place. What do you mean? I don't know. He's the voice he's hearing. Well, there's the ending and there's like the little tag on. Oh, well, that, that's a different kid. Yeah. Sequel yeah. setup. So, so is yeah. it like he's a, the next? He's the next one. But was... I think the they're mother just saying that mothers create serial killers. This Abuse. is true. Abuse. Somebody's yeah. got to create them. Yeah. I guess. But that was just the continuing very the continuing cycle of abuse. It shows you another kid being berated by his mom, and then he starts hearing the voices. Yeah, heard. I didn't watch the film version that Trent told me to. I accidentally mixed them up because I'm a dummy. I don't really think I need to watch the other one. No, it's too late now. It's too late, but I no. could. Um, yeah. But yeah, you know, I've seen I've seen it now, so. Well, Ooh. we'll show you. We'll show you the flame. At least the the big money flamethrower. The money flame. Yeah, we'll show you that. At okay. Least before we uh, before we leave. Thanks, guys. <laughs> I thought the one of the most relatable characters was the the guy from work who'll be friends with anyone. I love Bobby. <laughs> oh. I did. I did like that guy. I He's mean, so great. 
He's yeah, such I did a like nice that guy. guy. Like he had a dude that was just trying to like trying so socialize hard. him, trying just, so hard. He like calls him from the bar. Hey, what's going what on? Is, and he, he says, "You want me to come over? We'll talk about it." Calls him from a payphone, like, like in the morning. The like, numbskull party guy, though. You know what I mean? Yeah, he's but like, he's he's trying. To, yeah, but he still wants to get coffee in the morning too. Like, yeah, he's I trying mean, to befriend him and help him out, and and he stays loyal to him to the end. I thought very, that was cool. Very uh, not loyal man to his wife his no these are quite well, extensive not, uh, yeah well that's not yeah. important though that's not there is some some pretty nasty social stereotyping going on here and this is i think you mentioned psycho the original psycho long line of horror movies that have portrayed negatively and negative stereotypes of grown men who live at home with their mom and you know that's disappointing he's taking care of her you know he's trying to do the right thing by his mother making her tea it wasn't he didn't kill her or anything you know it wasn't his fault that she died but i was just kidding but um <laughs> this, this does this whole thing is predicated on you you brought up uh maniac Dave. this whole thing is is what we saw again nightmare the abused child the cautionary it's trying to make some social statement about abuse but it's really just an excuse to show a lot of violence these are a dime a dozen mm. based on that premise now i know dan grimaldi took it very seriously and i think he was amazing i don't know how you guys thought he was bad but it's very funny that so many of these movies from this era pieces another one that we just saw they all just show you a kid being abused and they're like all right now the violence yeah. <laughs> here we go but, but it was well done yeah <laughs> oh you said this oh. is a, a rare oh, find stop <laughs> i just said that nobody else uh, involved in this movie went on to do anything i would be wrong uh because again it does look really good um, um, yeah, DP did some stuff, right? Yeah, Oliver Wood does the cinematography on this. He would go on to do some really tiny films like Die Hard, Face yeah. Off, the Bourne uh, supremacy movies, just did Morbius with uh, Jared Leto, so he's still Ooh. going. And then the music. You said <laughs> disco, and I thought you were going to like reference the music. This movie's score... As in the just the instrumental parts of it are amazing. Yeah, they're so yeah. great. The music. The song, song, they're so bad. I know. It's yeah. so like bad disco, bad like country bumpkin rock and roll or something. Like, obviously, they couldn't get Disco Inferno. So it's it's some other disco song called Alone at Home or something like that. <laughs> yeah, like it's, Prom it's, Night. Yeah. 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 And then there's the song that's obviously like trying to be a James Gang. But the dude 40, that did the score is super accomplished. Except for those. Uh, he did moments. The Prowler. Oh, uh, the, that we the talked composer. about. He did Blood Rage. Right. Um, I mean, he's, those are just some like in our orbit, but again, right. very accomplished. This was a, a Section 2 video, Nasty. So this was not prosecutable, but it was seizable. Uh, there's an interview with Grimaldi on YouTube right now. It's called, I think I'm pretty sure it's called Playing With Fire. Dan Grimaldi in <laughs> Don't Go In The House. And uh, he talks about his research for the role. He talks about, and I, I had heard this on another podcast, I think. I didn't quite believe it. But he says that he went to trauma recovery centers and went to some institutions, talked to people, adults that were recovering from abuse, really tried to like, you know, put some of the, some real life stuff into his character. He also said that he did shoot the flamethrower himself, actually got to do that in his asbestos suit. He said it was freezing cold in the house, like five or 10 degrees and uh, everybody would be freezing, but then he'd get to uh, throw the flamethrower around, which is pretty cool. Mm. I wonder if, um, Tarantino has like a film festival or something he does in Austin. And the first year that he ever did it was, uh, I think, in the 90s. He, this was the first film he ever showed at the first really? iteration of his own film festival. Wow. And I'm, I'm starting to think about the flamethrower now and uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. 
has that big right. ass flamethrower scene. Right. Yeah. Well, he, the man's a connoisseur. You can say what you like about Death Proof, but uh, I think he knows his stuff. I, I I was wondering when I was watching it that very first girl from the flower shop um, when she uh, was torched. What what if how they got that fire effect? If it was oh, like an overlay film, film overlay, yeah. yeah. So that first that big scene that you don't get on the Tubi version, where his first victim is flame thrown. Uh, yeah, they did that with an overlay, and it looks really it good. It looks pretty good, yeah. Yeah, just a simple film overlay. And then that's it, it's compounded. I think that's so effective. And then the charred body hanging there when he hugs the body, and then it goes right into the second kill. It doesn't need to show you the flame. It just shows him hugging again. I think this would have served with a better title. It, you know, if I had known that was, this is the one that is the flamethrower guy. Yeah. Well, it was originally called The Burning Man, Oh, and then adjusted the to uh, The Burning. And then they had to change the name, not because of the other movie, The Burning, but because the studio that took on the film after it had been all made independently, uh, a company took it on to promote. And they already had a promotional campaign all set up for a different movie that was called Don't Go in the House. And that fell through and never got made. So they stipulated that, yes, they would take this movie, but they had to change the title to Don't Go in the House because they already had... All that stuff ready. Pyromaniac. That's kind of thematically fit. That's that's a classic 80s. Pyromaniac. Fun fact, this was filmed in what is now known as the Strauss Mansion Museum. Uh, It's a headquarters of, it's the headquarters of the Atlantic Highlands Historical Society in New Jersey. And uh, you can go get a tour of the house, which is beautiful and very creepy. It's kind of up on a little hill and it's rumored to be haunted. There are still stories as, as recently as last year. There were some news stories about strange happenings at the Strauss Mansion. This made some money. It made like $10 million. Budget, uh, reported budget that I could find, 250000 Next week. Almost forgot. All right. We're going from New Jersey all the way to Australia. Back to Australia. Um, I've got a couple uh, hidden gems as well. All right. I knew from you the would. Outback. We've both been scouring as the weather gets colder here. We start hibernating, watching more horror movies. I knew you were going to try to out-hidden gem me. I knew. (laughs) I knew. Well, we've been talking back and forth and kind of upping the ante and going through the different decades and stuff and different places. And uh, geographically, I love all the movies uh, from Australia. I love the setting. So I'm going with Razorback, 1984. And Body Melts. From 1993, <laughs> I've been talking up this movie. I'm feeling good about this week. Okay. I think you guys are going to have a great time in the Outback. That's not a crocodile. <laughs> Razorback. 